Welcome to another episode of Sports Ethos Dallas Mavericks Podcast. I'm your host, Lawrence Brooks, here with my co-host, Corbin Ford. We are back to break down this Dallas victory. They actually staved off elimination, winning this game 119 to 109. And they did everything they could and should have to win this game. Um, but before we get started, let me also let you guys know about our fantasy offseason, pre-draft season. Here at Sports Ethos, there is what we call a pre-draft season, getting ready for your league, trying to become a winner, establishing an edge that not many other people have. We'll have summer league coverage as well, and we'll cover free agency. But if you want to be in on this, you must be a part of our premium member team. Head over to sportsethos.com now. Click on the premium tab to grab a fantasy pass today. It's only $5.99. These guys do an incredible job. And if you want to win, this is something you definitely should purchase. That being said, before we jump into the pod, Corbin, I, I think I would be a little remiss to not mention, you know, us doing this pod with a little bit of a heavy heart. Speaking on what happened, you know, in Texas at Rob Elementary, obviously what happened with um, in Buffalo not long ago as well. And I mean, it just adds up. And and to be honest with our listeners, it really touches home with me because not one, I am a black man and the Buffalo thing is definitely something that um, that really touches me. And I'm sure yourself as well. But also, I don't have any children as of yet, but I do coach a 10U basketball team full of fourth grade guys. And I would be absolutely devastated if something like this happened to them after we just won a championship this past weekend and then come Monday or Tuesday, you know, there it's a here today, gone tomorrow type of situation. And so I just want to express my extreme um, thoughts, not necessarily um, prayers in the sense that that's, I feel like everyone says that, but just to let them know that my heart is with them in a situation like this, and in a time like this, and for the people in Buffalo, and, and I'm sure our Sports Ethos family shares the same sentiment. And um, and yeah, man, it's just a sad time in our in our in our world. It really is, man. This is one of those things that you said. Not only you know, think about the children, uh, think about us as, as black men. Um, just this past year, uh, me and my my family were victims of shooting. Um, literally, people who should not have guns on the street approached us and, and literally shot us no explanation why no kind of um resolution as to that uh, my little brother got hit and just because of where he got hit in the femoral artery he ended up losing his foot and the dude just turned 14 like this type of stuff and this is to say nothing of those whose lives are gone like going to school one of the few places out here that you expect to just you know as a parent you send your kid home you send your kid to school you expect them to come back home and just to, I can't even put into words the frustration, the hopelessness, the anger, like you said, bro. I just like the situation like this and the fact that it repeats itself again and again and again. And I don't know, man, like you, it, it's just stuff has to change. It just has to because we just can't keep going on like this. And then, you know, like obviously, you know, our job, we, we, we cover, we cover the Mavericks. Like we do, we do sports. We're in this field, but it's so hard to, go from something as real and as raw as that. It just makes everything else seem really dang significant by comparison. Um, and just working up the energy and the heart to like, 
you know, go into something as passionate as we are about sports after, you know, just imagining the families right now that are in such heartache and such pain and the rhetoric that surrounds it and trying to block that out and focus on the human aspect and, you know, sending thoughts and prayers while also realizing that we need more than thoughts and prayers to get through this just pandemic of injustice. You know, it's a lot and I'm still compartmentalizing. I know you probably are as well, Lawrence, but yeah, you need to say, like you said, heavy hearts here tonight or today. It's It's been a rough 24 hours and I imagine it's going to be that way for a while now. Absolutely, man. Well said. And, and, and my heart is with you and your family as well, with your with your brother having his uh, foot amputated. I'm sure that's a constant reminder of of a day that, you know, you'll it'll it, you'll never forget. And that that's just yeah. extremely unfortunate, it's something that um, none of us should have to deal with. And for him to be 14 and now having to have that on his um, on his everyday mental, man, is just that that's a that's a tough go. And yeah, I, man. I really uh, my heart goes out to you guys. I appreciate that, bro. Thank you. It's, um, it's crazy. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and and I'm I, and our listeners, for everyone that's listening, I hope you guys all share the same sentiments. I I can't apologize for taking time out to speak on that. I know we're all here to talk sports, and I know this yep. is a sports podcast, but I I couldn't let this one pass because I've I've had so many different situations, whether they're worldly or personal that I have not necessarily overlooked, but just put a blanket over and kept pushing along. And I'm, I'm trying to be better about not pushing along on things and being more, being more out front and um, confronting my emotions and feelings, no matter what platform I'm on or what I'm doing, because I feel like it's healthier for these discussions to be had. Even if it's a podcast, friend to friend on the phone um, there, a lot of it is being done on television as well. And so we can't get past this unless we confront it. And I feel like that's part of our job um, doing a podcast is to at least touch on it um, before we move on to sports. And so I'm glad you were able to um, give your thoughts. I had to give my thoughts as well. And um, so we'll get into the Mavericks here. Um, speaking of the Mavericks, one of the things I talked about in the last podcast is that I thought a big key for them winning this game was that they needed to get off to a good start. In the first quarter, they did that. They won the first quarter 28 to 24. They actually defended fairly well. The Mavericks shot 58% from the three-point line. They were 7 of 12 from three, 9 of 19 overall from the field. But as we know, they're a three-point shooting team, and for them – that was a major, major, major start that they needed not only, um, you know, just on the scoreboard, but psychologically to know that they were going to be in this game and come out and compete and not get stepped on right away and then make this an uphill battle. That's something I really um, was focused on to see happening in this game. So I'm happy that that actually happened. Overall, they hit 23s. And as we know, um, talking about this team, if they make shots, great chance they're going to win. They miss shots. Great chance they're going to lose. And I know it came down to that um, in this game where they were up by 29 points going into the fourth quarter, ended up making um, 23s, shot 50 percent on the nail from the field overall. They were 41 of 82. Um, for you, what's your biggest takeaway from this game? Was there something you were looking for for, for them to actually come out on top or were you more so surprised about how things unfolded? 
So I wasn't surprised. I mean, a lot of it, and, and I hate to even go back to it, but you saw Steve Kerr's reaction to the events of yesterday kind of roll into the game, right? Like before pregame, a very passionate, very raw appeal. So I could tell off the bat that you have a mix of a team that's heart really wasn't in it, whether from a leadership standpoint, an energy standpoint, just in the Warriors. Um, and then you had a Dallas Mavericks team that absolutely had to win this game because there ain't no game eight. So, you know what I mean? Like, this was it. There ain't no tomorrow in this case. So, you knew for a fact the desperation, the energy that Dallas came with. I expected a blowout. If anything, the last quarter was kind of disheartening uh, from a point standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, in terms of having to put Luka Doncic back out there to secure the win, um, from a confidence standpoint, and the guys that were on the floor. And mind you, it took and I told my brother, it's me and him watching the game. And he was, I was like, dude, this game's over. And it was 70 to 99. And we entered the fourth quarter. And he's like, why you say that? I'm like, listen, man, like one team is going to play really, really bad this entire quarter. And one team's going to play astronomically great this entire quarter. And for what we've seen so far, those two teams have not been doing that. And all of a sudden, I mean, the Mavericks basically missed three shots. I mean, the Warriors missed three shots the remainder of the quarter. They were like 11 to 14 at one point. The Mavericks couldn't hit a shot turning over the ball, issues. It took down to the wire for them to really pull this one out, and now it's with the 23s. And that, I hate to say, is a glass-half-empty take for me, but it's like, wow. Like, imagine the confidence of putting this team down hard and saying, all right, you know what? We bring it back to or not work. We bring it back to Golden State, and then we put up a fight there. In this case, you know, they the, the, the Golden State Warriors keyed a major rally. Like, you had Steve Kerr have to put his starters back in. You had to have Jason Kidd, you know, bring Luka back out to restore some semblance of order. Like, the lead was getting cut through like a hot knife through butter. It, it was it was pretty crazy. But ultimately, I think the, the most encouraging thing was that the offense for the three quarters, first three, were, was pretty uh, congruent. I like the fact that it generated good shots. I like the fact you had guys knock down shots. You know, you had um, our, um, um, Reggie Bullock, go six for 10 from three, uh, what, a game after going 0 for 10 and 0 for six from three. You know, it was basically a lot of the Mavericks shooters were able to find their shooting eye a little bit. And that was a big confidence booster for them. I just think they have to make special uh, care to wipe off that last quarter off of their collective memory. Absolutely. And, I mean, speaking of quarters, I know something that's been, you know, made a, a big deal of the Mavericks' third quarter woes. They have not came out and had great third quarters, and this was the one game that they actually did. They won the quarter 37 to 23. They actually hit eight threes in the quarter and, and shot 63% from the field, which is great. I mean, and, they, and that's what you need because the Warriors overall are a great three, third quarter team, and if the Mavericks want to continue to build on what they did in this game, they're going to have to continue to have um, really great starts and hopefully win third quarters from here on out in order to stay competitive and, and keep extending this series. Because if they don't, like you said, there is no tomorrow. But that was a great sign. I thought that was encouraging to see that they actually had a great third quarter and responded coming out of the locker room. Um, one thing, and, and this just goes back to the series in general, the Mavericks, and I've talked about this, they've had guys where they've had these spike games and you never know who's going to have it or if you want to call it a podium game. And for me, obviously, you know, Reggie Bullock, who couldn't throw a rock in the ocean last game, he goes six for 10. He has 18 points. And I think for them to remain, he has to hit three to four threes every game. I mean, he's taken seven to 10 attempts. 
So, and he's playing heavy minutes. I mean, him and Reggie Bullock, are, uh, I mean, Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith are in the top three in minutes played throughout the playoffs. And so they're on the floor a lot. They're getting a lot of attempts. Um, and the opportunities will be there. They just have to knock down shots. So I think that that was encouraging that they got a big game from him and obviously from Dorian Finney-Smith, who, who had 23 points, shot four or seven from the th- um, three-point line and just chipped in in, a, in a several different areas. Obviously, he defended. He had six rebounds, two assists. And, I, and with Luka Doncic, I think they will need him to shoot well because if they're going to go on the road, again, I think it's all about setting a tone. And for me, he has to come out and set a tone with great playmaking but also great shooting. Do you think that them going back in the game five, this can be replicated, or do you think that this is a one-off? I'm kind of in the middle of that, Lawrence. I think that on one end, it can be replicated, that energy, that passion. They better have it. You know, that again, there's no other option not to have it. Um, I do wonder how much of this win was uh, due to the fact that their shots were falling. And again, Golden State kind of folded pretty easily in this. Um, I don't know if it was as much as the Mavericks actually solving anything. You know, they had a good third quarter, like you said, for once. They knocked down 23s. That's always a great sign. And, you know, uh, Luke at the end held them off, um, held, the, held the Warriors off. Uh, with some key plays down the stretch to get in the teeth of defense. Now, can they keep that energy with the ratcheted up Warriors attack when it's all right time to end this series, you know? Because you did, I think we all saw the, the result wasn't there for them on this one. The fight wasn't there for them on this one. You can imagine a fight will be there, you know, as you look to game five. So that is the question I have now. Is go, is is the energy Golden State is going to respond with going to be something that Dallas is going to be able to meet? Or is that going to be like the, the the final straw that breaks the camel's back on this Mavericks playoff run? Yeah, and I mean, and, and speaking of this game just in particular, obviously with the, with the made shots, I think it should also be noted just how they manufactured uh, made shots. It was very yeah. clear that they, they made a, a concerted effort to get more in the paint. They actually competed with, uh, they actually complete, competed with the Warriors for paint points. So they actually got into the paint. They kicked the ball out. And I think that's more of a that shot is more rhythmic than the standstill, wait for Luca to find an open player and shoot the ball type of threes. I think the fact that they were getting ball movement and man movement by getting into the paint, getting a paint touch, and then either finishing at the rim or kicking it back out, I think that's an added level of fluidity that can help them to continue to make shots. So I think that if they can go on the road and continue to make an effort at doing that, because Again, I do think there was a little bit of, you know, Golden State taking their foot off the gas, obviously for emotional reasons, but also they're just traditionally a team that doesn't establish the knockout blow and closeout games. And I forget what their record is when, um, when they have the opportunity to close out, but it's not a very good record. And so we know that they'll go back to, they'll go back to the Chase Center and they'll be ready to go at home. But I think that's something that they can take away from this game is to bottle this up in terms of, okay, how did we manufacture these shots, giving ourselves a chance by not just being three-point shot or bust? Because if you can mix in the shot profile of getting into the paint along with the three-pointers, I think that they can actually build on that going back to Golden State because getting those easy ones will be important, especially early, because if you don't hit shots early – like I say, those long rebounds off of three-pointers, those are just fire starters, and that just puts another log on the fire for them to get out in transition and play as fast as they want to play because we know that the Warriors want to play fast, 
and the Mavericks want to play slow. So if they want to continue to keep it, keep the game at their pace, they're going to have to put the ball in the basket. And I think that'll be much easier if they can get in the paint and finish at the rim. Yeah, I agree with that. Excellent point there, too. Making a committed effort to get into the teeth of the defense, get two feet in the paint, and either generate good opportunities for yourself, your Luka Doncic, or, you know, same guys like Dwight Powell, or opening three-point shots for guys in the perimeter. Jalen Brunson, not known for shooting off the off the, um, off the the dribble. So he needs his threes off the catch. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith and Max Kleber, we know they're a lot better in the corners. And getting them worked in the corners will build them to work out toward the wings. And then, you know, whatever it means to get for Davis Breton, Spencer Dinwiddie as well shooting the three. I agree with you. A committed effort to continue to get two feet in the paint. And also to vary that attack because it takes a lot of work to do that. Can't just be Luka Doncic. You know, it, it can't just be Jalen Brunson. It can't just be Spencer and Dinwiddie. As all three of them are ball handlers for this Mavericks team, they have to do this in unison. They have to take turns doing it. The philosophy is the committed, you know, congruent philosophy. It's the the different weapons that are going to be different in terms of making that uh, plan execute well. Absolutely. And, and another thing that really helped them in this game is the rebounding. And I know they've been getting out-rebounded throughout this series and they were even still out rebounded in this game by three, but it wasn't an overwhelming uh, back breaking um, margin. Um, Luca ended up having 14 rebounds and a lot of the defensive possessions, as you know, you have to finish with a rebound in order for it to be a successful defensive uh, stop. And they did a better job of, of allowing just one shot. So just making it a one and done situation on the defensive end. And I think that's something they're going to have to continue to make, uh, make an effort to keep doing as well is to not allow Golden State to get second chance opportunities on the board um, and attack the glass and continue to control the game in that way because those opportunities just give them more um, just give them a wider range of outcomes either knock down more threes get and ones um, get to the cup you don't want to give a team like Golden State who already has enough firepower as is when they take the ball out of bounds or get it on a rebound, you don't want to give them additional opportunities. So I think that they're going to also have to focus on that going back to um, going back to San Francisco and playing in the chase center. That being said, um, aside from Luca for you, who's a more important player for this game coming up? Would you say it's Reggie Bullock? Or would you say it's Dorian Finney-Smith? And the reason why I ask you this question is because they're both playing high-level minutes. They're both expected to make shots. But I think for me, I think when Dorian Finney-Smith is scoring, I think they're at, you know, I wouldn't, I don't want to say at their best, but I do think that they're a, a notch better than normal versus when Reggie Bullock is scoring. I think if, if Dorian Finney-Smith isn't scoring, it still can get a little iffy in terms of can this game be still won or lost but I think they're both going to play high level defense regardless for you is one of them more important than the other offensively or do you just kind of see them one in the same I kind of see one in the same I think that it's hard like what's what's more important the offensive upside of Reggie Bullock or the defensive intensity of uh Dorian Finney Smith and in this case I think that if I had to choose, I'd probably pick Reggie because you're going to need more offense, you know, to outscore this team. Your defense is only going to do so much against a Warriors team that has the Splash Brothers and Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins, who's averaging just shy of 20 points a game, right? So, excuse me. In this case, I think you are going to need some points. Those that are premium for this series, especially with, you know, you know what Toluca's going to bring you. You're pretty sure you know what Jalen Brooks is going to give you. 
after that, you know, is it Spencer Dinwiddie? Is it Dorian Finney-Smith? Is it uh, Max Kleber? Or is it Reggie Bullock? And I'm leaning toward Reggie Bullock, you know? Knocking down six threes is great, but we know there's a guy who can knock down eight or nine. And, you know, to extend this series out another game, might just have to be more toward that latter number. Absolutely. And, I mean, it, it, it goes without being said that they're going to need more from Spencer Dinwiddie. Jalen Brunson is going to have to keep his foot on the gas as well. I know he had 15, and um, he was reasonably – aggressive in game four and so he showed up but it's gonna have to be all hands on deck i mean they're gonna need contributions from everyone i feel good about the fact that they will defend but i think they're gonna have to score and they're gonna need more than just luca and jalen brunson um bearing the 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 weight of that scoring load and they as as it is i mean they had six guys in double figures so if they can take that and going back to golden state I think they'll be in good shape, but I think the the keys are get into the paint, rebound on one and done opportunities, do not give them second chance um, opportunities, and also, and then obviously make shots. I mean, if they do that from the outside, um, knocking down three pointers, I think they'll have a good chance to get two games and then make it kind of interesting. But obviously, they have to. This has to be done one quarter at a time, and I think it'll be equally as important to get off to a good start. Um, in the first quarter out there because if they don't it can you, your mind can easily start to fade mm-hmm. and start thinking about Cancun so yep curtains so I, so I hope that they I hope that they can bottle that up and and make that recipe continue to stick going back to Golden State for you last question um in terms of what Spencer Dinwiddie is doing do you consider him is he a, and, and I think I asked you this question last time but does, is, is his production cherry on top, or is it needed going back to Golden State? I think last series was more of a cherry on top. This series is more needed, you know? Again, you're looking at guys like Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock to provide offense. Those guys are usually guys who can do that in a role. We're talking about guys who need to step up and be more than that, you know? Of the guys on the roster, we've seen Luka do this over his entire career. You see Jalen Brunson do it as well. And we've also seen, seen Spencer Dinwiddie uh, more notably in Brooklyn do it. So we need to have that more aggressive, offensive-minded Spencer Dinwiddie around uh, for game five because that's only the guy who you bring as an additional weapon to force Golden State's defense to have to account for him as well. Not just bringing shots, but actually, you know, getting into the team of defense, penetrating, creating good shots, finding rhythm threes. I definitely think that as the, core, as the series have ratcheted up intensity, you know, and the competition's gotten more fierce. So, too, has a role of a player who, hey, you know, get 15 points in Utah series, that's great. Now it's ideal, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, for me, recipe, establish paint touches, knock down threes, keep the defense – I mean, keep the rebounding battle competitive and limit the Warriors on the offensive end in terms of second-chance opportunities. Got to secure the rebound – on a defensive stop so that you can establish your pace and continue to, to try to keep the game as competitive as possible all the way through, because those spurts, I mean, the Warriors have great spurt ability and all it takes is one quarter and the avalanche of threes. And next thing you know, it was a four point game. That's now a 22 point game. And so, and so hopefully they can, they keep that going and, um, and continue to extend this, this series. So as it stands, we're at three, one, Game five will be tomorrow night at 6 p.m. We'll be watching, of course. Um, thank you all for listening. Again, the Sports Ethos Dallas Mavericks podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Ethos Mavericks. Um, my Twitter account is at LB Said It. 
please subscribe and download the Sports Ethos Dallas Mavericks podcast. Leave us a five-star review. Let us know how you feel about it, but we appreciate you guys as always. Corbin, where can everyone find you? As always, man, thank you for having me on. You can find me at Corbin NBA. All my work there on Twitter at Corbin NBA. Absolutely. So, um, everyone, give your friends and family hugs. Tell them you love them. Yes. Stay safe. But until then, as you know, go Mavs.